Good morning, folks, and welcome to worship. The intimations will follow later, but may I remind you that we wear masks to sing. God is our salvation. We will trust and not be afraid. The Lord is our strength and our might. We will give thanks and call upon his name, proclaim and exalt the name of the Lord. We will sing praises with joy, for great in our midst is our God. So let's pray just before we light our Advent candle. So let's pray. As we light this Advent candle, may its flame be for us a sign of the light that reveals to us our path through life, that inspires us to live simply and generously after the example and call of John the Baptist, that we ourselves may be the signs of the good news we proclaim. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, who lit, who has lit the candles already? Freya did, the first week I am sure. Haley, have you? Right. Okay, come on Haley. Can you light three of these? Now you need to pull that and I have just done my hands, so. Pull it tight, that's it. And while Haley lights these, let's sing the first three verses of hymn 282, Christmas is coming. Hymn 282, Christmas is coming. It might take a wee while, that's it. Let's now come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we meet with you here in this quiet time. We meet to praise and to worship you. We take time to focus on your gift of Jesus Christ and on the promise of his return to earth. 
To you, O God, we lift our hearts. How great you are. You are our saviour. You are our power. You are our strength. You are the giver of life-giving water to quench our spiritual thirst. You are a bounteous one beyond our imagining. You are the giver of gifts beyond compare. To you, O God, we lift our hearts, we raise our eyes and we shout in adoration. We know that you love us with a love beyond our comprehension and yet we fall short of loving you and of loving our neighbours. And so, blessed Lord, hear our prayers of sadness and regret for the times when we've been blind to the needs of our neighbours, deaf to the cries of the distressed, silent at the sight of the abused, careless with the frightened and supportive of greed and corruption. We confess our obsession with things material and frivolous, fripperies wrapped in tissue paper. Open our ears and eyes and our hearts to be more receptive to what we see and hear from those we meet. God knows the depths of our sorrow. God knows the depths of our grief for wrongs done. God knows the pains of regret for deeds undone. God knows the depths of our hearts. To God we repent and forgiveness is given. So Lord, hear us now as we pray in the name, in the words your son Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. I don't know if you remember a, a while ago, I told you a story about a wee moose that lived in the church. No? I think some of the adults remember. Mitchell, the mouse. So I've got another story from Mitchell. Mitchell is a little mouse that lives in the church. Okay, and Mitchell, the minister's in the church, and I'm going to sit down because I like telling stories, so I'm sitting down. Okay, so Mitchell goes, Minister, psst, Minister, what is it, Mitchell? How many coats do you have, Minister? Says Mitchell Mouse, oh, I don't know, Mitchell. Uh, maybe, maybe one or two for autumn, some heavy coats for winter, few jackets for the summer rain, and some that cope with all types of weather, responded the minister. Sounds like you have a whole shop full of coats, replied Mitchell. The minister looked thoughtful. Mm, I probably have more than I really need. Mitchell, but why do you ask? Well, says Mitchell, my cousin Harry has been visiting from Harris. Mitchell noticed the minister's furrowed brow. You see, he managed to skip onto the boat at Tarbot. He told me that sometimes it gets really cold and windy on Harris and he had to find a way to keep warm. So a kind weaver told him that he could make a coat out of the scraps of Harris tweed that were lying around the floor. So Harry, he has got a fantastic multicoloured coat just like that man Joseph in the Bible that you were telling me about. Wow! 
Were you jealous of his coat? asked the minister. Maybe a little, minister. It certainly kept him warm and he looked really good in it. He looked like a real highland moose that would have looked well in amongst the hordes of the Tartan army at Hampden Park. The minister looked surprised. I never thought Harris would have many football fans, Mitchell. Minister, they've their own football league on Lewis and Harris and many of the locals enjoy their football, said Mitchell knowledgeably. Well, Mitchell, you learn something new every day. Minister, Harry tells me that on the island they not only recycle their clothes, but they recycle everything, and people really try to help and support each other. In fact, it's what you challenge people to do here in your sermons. Well, that's true, Mitchell. John the Baptist once told people that if they had two coats, they should give one away. If they'd more food than they needed, they should share it with someone else. He told people to treat others fairly and not to cheat others. And he warned the, he warned the soldiers to set an example of good conduct. Poor wee Mitchell Moose, he looked confused. So, so why don't people do the things of God, Minister? They can't say they don't know when you tell them these things week in and week out. The minister thought for a moment. I think we're maybe, maybe just too stubborn to change our ways. Maybe we could get Harris to tell everyone his story and they might listen to him. Well, minister, that might be an idea. But if they don't listen to God and they don't listen to you, do you really think they would listen to a wee islander mouse? Maybe not, Mitchell, said the minister. But we have to keep on trying. So we have to keep on trying. What have I not shown you this morning? The bag. <laughs> ah, the bag. And I think I'm going to let one of the grown-ups open the bag this morning. I think I'm going to let Irene open the bag this morning. Oh. 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 Wow, a bag of Haribo. How many of you like Haribo? Do you like Haribo sweets? Yeah, uh-huh, okay. I've given these to Irene. What do you think? Do you think that's fair? No. Okay, so what should we do? You think you should share them? Okay, now, do you know there's a wee bit in the Bible where the question is asked, just to ask you, what should we do? The question is asked, what then should we do? And it says, whoever has two must share with anyone who has none. So whoever has two must share with anyone who has none. So I'm going to send these out to Sunday school with Irene, and I'm sure she will share them. And it's little individual bags, so I think we should be quite COVID safe with that. But this morning, We've got gifts, haven't we? We've got gifts on the table. And there was big tubs at the door. And there's our washing line up. So we've got lots of gifts. Gifts for boys and girls and grown-ups who don't have as much as we do. And we give gifts because Jesus taught us to share what we have with others. So before you go out to Sunday school to practice for next Sunday, which we're all looking forward to, let's pray. And I think I'll just say the words this morning. So let's 
Do you want to clasp your hands, close your eyes? And let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that we have. Clean clothes, warm homes, and enough food. We know that everyone is not so fortunate, so today we've brought gifts to be shared. Bless these gifts, we pray, and may all who receive them know that they are given in love because Jesus loves us all. Amen. So we're going to sing again from the Purple Book. We're going to sing hymn 279, Make Way, Make Way for Christ the King. Hymn 279. Now we come to the intimations. I thought it wasn't fair to ask the children to sit still while we went through a whole long list of things. As you may be aware, someone who has been in the church building recently has tested positive for COVID-19. A statement regarding this has been posted on the website and on Facebook, and hard copies of this statement are available at the doors this morning. In the light of this and in the light of all the news about Omicron, we have decided to cancel Carols by Candlelight planned for this evening and also the watch night service. 
The difficulty we were running into was the need to clean the church between services, so between this morning's worship and this evening's service, and between the watch night service, which would run into Christmas Day, and the service on Boxing Day. So that these decisions have been made. Teas and coffees will not be available after worship, and we are once again recording attendance at worship in line with guidance from the Central Church. We note from the Guild, there will be no Guild meetings now until Monday the 17th of January, when they meet again at 7.30pm in the large hall. And the Guild wishes a happy Christmas and safe new year to everyone. Free will envelopes and cards and gifts for are available for elders districts and they can be collected from the session house today. We have been unable to print the communion invitation, so I'm simply asking just now, and I will ask again at the session meeting, would elders please let the members in their districts know that we will celebrate communion on Sunday the 16th of January at 11am. With that in mind, the Kirk session is called to meet at the close of worship here in the church. I simply ask that the session members remain in their, where you're seated at the end of the service. And finally, it is with sadness that I intimate the death of one of our oldest members, Jean Fleming. Jean's funeral will take place at Woodside Crematorium this Tuesday at 11.30am. I would ask that you keep our family in your prayers as we give thanks for a long life faithfully lived. And now, we, these are, as far as I know, all the intimations. I'm scanning round, nobody's going, you've missed something, Fari. So we turn now to scripture and our scripture readings this morning will be read for us by Margaret Brown. The first reading is from Philippians chapter 4, chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, exhortations. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the second reading is Luke chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. John the Baptist prepares the way. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptised. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. 
Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize with water, but one more powerful than, that, powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the, his flesh, threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. Amen. Thank you, Margaret. We continue in our worship in hymn 291, When Out of Poverty is Born, hymn number 291. Here we are on the third Sunday of Advent with just under two weeks to go until Christmas. 
In today's Gospel reading, the question, what then should we do, appears three times. This question was asked of John the Baptist. And while today, maybe if we were asked this question, we would get caught up in discussions about present buying and our preparations for celebrating on Christmas Day. This is obviously not what the people were asking John about. And for each of the people who asked John this question, the answer was different. The answer is different because it was a contextual question. What should be done depended on who they were, what we spend our days doing and what our responsibilities may be. For example, the tax collector. The tax collector should collect only the correct amount of tax. The soldier. The soldier should do his duty but must not extort. And people who have more than they need should share this with people who don't have enough. And there are many, many other examples in Luke's Gospel, for this is a recurring question. But though the specifics will and should vary, the response that is called for is always down to earth and practical, and usually centres on the generous sharing of resources. And underlying it all is a call for an ethic and an attitude of contentment. A call to be content with enough. One good coat, enough food, the legitimate amount of tax revenue and sufficient wages. And let's not delude ourselves. Enough, well enough may be less than we are used to having. I did read in one of the papers this week of a one fashion journalist who had 39 coats. And then I began to think mm, of how many I have. So I suggest that maybe before we think, oh, 39 coats, go away and think about your summer jackets, your waterproofs for walking, your heavy winter coat, the coat that really you should have thrown out by now. You know the sort of thing? Think about it. Think about what you have. Think about what you need. Think about the gifts you've bought and the gifts you will buy this Christmas. Think about the food that you'll put in your shopping trolley. This morning is our gift service when we've brought gifts for folks less fortunate than ourselves. And earlier, some chose to give to the night before Christmas appeal and our socks and hats washing line will continue on into the new year. But for each of us then, what we should do is to reflect Christ's presence in our lives will be different. And it's easy to think that we do our bit because we raise money for whichever charity is our personal or the church's focus. But Jesus' challenge goes deeper than that. It is personal and individual. He says that it is not enough to pay taxes or to give to church or charity. The action must be matched by personal authenticity. Generosity is more than a few generous acts. Generosity is a way of living. What then should we do? How might we bear good fruit? With whom might we share our surplus coats? Think about it. 
Think about our workplaces, our daily encounters, whatever their context, and the people we share these times and spaces with. Are those people we share time with, are they able to discern that we are followers of Christ by our actions and by how we live our lives? Think about how you live your life. We all know the hymn from, I think it's in Songs of God's People, and the chorus of it goes, they will know we are Christians by our love. Yes, they will know we are Christians by our love. Is that true? Is it true for you and for me? And if not, why not? What can we do to change that? And as I've already said, what then should we do runs like a refrain through the gospel passage. So let's look a little more closely at John's answers. His answers are surprisingly practical and realistically, though costly nonetheless. He doesn't tell the tax collectors and soldiers to resign, to sell all their worldly goods and adopt a radical lifestyle. Instead, he instructs them to carry out their jobs ethically and responsibly. So what does that mean for us? What sort of ethical dilemmas do we face, whether at work or elsewhere? For we have a duty, we have a duty to serve God, to serve God wherever he places us, whether that be in schools, hospitals, shops, offices, or whether we're retired and we are amongst our friends and neighbours. But as once again in this two-week run-up to Christmas, we face being swept up into frantic preparations for Christmas. Let's pause to consider how in our shopping for presents, our eating and our drinking, we might celebrate ethically and responsibly and celebrate keeping Christ at the heart of Christmas and consider seriously the opportunities that this season presents for contributing to a more just society. As we watch television, listen to the radio, read the papers, magazines, whatever, and more and more are on the internet. The advertising industry is operating at full throttle to entice, cajole, and persuade us to buy more. You'll know the thing, you've looked at jumpers on the internet, and then all of a sudden, all this, is, wee pop-ups are coming up about jumpers here, there, and everywhere. We've all seen it. And all of the function of that is to persuade us to buy more, be it food, clothes, toys, toiletries, tablets, laptops, jewellery. The list goes on and on. And then credit companies offer, offer us more money to buy all these things. Think about it when you go on now to buy online. How often do you see that little message? Pay over three months to postpone the payment. And all of this plays on, I suppose, the natural human desire to have more and more stuff. Now, I don't know about you, but when asking my family what they'd like for Christmas, I often get the answer, oh, I don't know. We don't need anything. But does that stop me going out and buying them more stuff? Does that stop them going out and buying me more stuff? And sometimes, even as we buy, the craving for more sometimes continues. Formula One boss, Bernie Eccleston, when asked if he had enough money, replied, you can never have enough. Well, if that's true, no one will ever be content. 
And in today's gospel, John teaches us to be content with what we have, to live simply, to share any surplus, and to be grateful. It is a countercultural message. It is a message that requires a change of mindset. But that is what the word repentance is all about. And it is the way of God's kingdom and contentment. And that's true whether we have a little or a lot. In Advent last year, in the middle of the second wave of the COVID-19 pandemic, a post appeared on Facebook saying that Christmas was not about getting what you want, but being content with what you have. And at the heart of John the Baptist's message that we've heard Margaret read today is a call to contentment. A call to contentment. What might this look like today with all of that commercial advertising that we're bombarded with and it, which plays on a sense of discontent. Discontent, it makes us want to buy things by purchasing you know, the product or the service that's being promoted. But if this planet is to survive, those of us who have plenty will have to be content. To be content, not just with what we have, but with less. Might being seen to live in this way be an important way of being good news in our time? And finally, I share with you a short reflection which ends in a few words of prayers. What should I do? How often I've asked this question, wishing there was a clear-cut answer. No wonder the people came flocking to hear John. He was clear and uncompromising in his teaching. His answers were neither easy nor comforting, cutting through the veneer of respectability but at least they gave his hearers something to act on. If I had been in that crowd, how would I have reacted to John's teaching? If I had asked him, what should I do? What would he have said to me? How would I have felt? Would I have acted on his words? What changes do I need to make in my life this Advent? God, grant me and all of us the grace, the will and the courage to change. To change for Jesus' sake. Amen. We continue in our worship by singing hymn number 259, Beauty for Brokenness, hymn 259.
As we continue to hear more of COVID-19, I thought I would share this with you. Warning, Advent virus. Be on the alert for symptoms of inner hope, peace, joy and love. The hearts of a great many have already been exposed to this virus and it's possible that people everywhere could come down with it in epidemic proportions. This could pose a serious threat to what has, up to now, been a fairly stable condition of conflict in the world. Some signs and symptoms of the advent virus. A tendency to think and act spontaneously rather than in fears based on past experiences. An unmistakable ability to enjoy each moment. A loss of interest in judging other people. A loss of interest in interpreting the actions of others. A loss of interest in conflict. A loss of the ability to worry. This is a very serious symptom. Frequent, overwhelming episodes of appreciation. Contented feelings of connectedness with others and nature. Frequent attacks of smiling. An increasing tendency to let things happen rather than make them happen. An increased susceptibility to the love extended by others, as well as the uncontrollable urge to extend it. A different virus, a virus that I hope and pray affects all of us over the coming days, weeks and months. I have no idea, I can't remember where I found that, but I thought it was in some ways so appropriate to share today. And now I think we'll leave the offerings sitting where they are and we will simply dedicate our offerings. So let's pray. Gracious God who gives all, who provides all, who makes all, we come with thanks in our hearts. We offer these tokens, these gifts of money. We offer these gifts of toys and scarves and hats, all sorts of things in the hope that they may be taken and given and used in this time of hope, in the service of your church, your mission and your people. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. And now we bring before God our prayers for others, which will be led for us today by Stephen Brotherston. Let us join together in our prayers for others. We come to you in your presence of our prayers for others in our gift service. As we approach the time we celebrate the birth of your Son and our Saviour Jesus Christ, who was your gift to the world to serve. In the next couple of weeks, as we exchange gifts, let us take time to pray and for who will receive gifts this Christmas. Let us in our prayers pray for the women's aid who have suffered domestic abuse, and let us not forget the children caught up on this suffering. Let us pray for the people in hospital at this time and their families who cannot be together this Christmas and the staff who look after them. As the weather gets particularly cold this year, let us pray for all homeless people who have the gift of shelter and a warm meal this Christmas 
as well as the gift of love and compassion. We know that at this time there are many lonely people and families who are not together for various reasons, and we ask you to be with them. We pray for those who are struggling on a low income to provide their families and give their children a good Christmas. We ask and pray for those who have lost loved ones and who will be without them for the first time this Christmas. We ask for the gift and love and compassion and peace throughout the world and the world to find the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. We close this morning's service of worship with hymn 305, In the Bleak Midwinter, hymn number 305.
Let us go with hope. Let us go with wisdom. Let us go with charity in our hearts. And let us go with God's message ever on our lips this day and every day. And the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest and remain with you and all those whom you love this day and forevermore. Just before Alan starts to play, just to confuse them, I'm going to go to the front as normal and I will return to moderate the session. Elders, if you simply remain where you are, if you normally give a lift to someone, then they're free to remain within the church as Kirk session meetings are public and there's nothing in this morning's meeting that needs to be held, or this afternoon's meeting that needs to be held in private. So, thank you, Alan. Um.